Hi, my name is Dan Ariely, and welcome to Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast about science. Every week, I will talk to one researcher about one project who will have a chat about what they found and what it means for our lives. Dan's guest this week is Colin Kammerer, Professor of Behavioral Finance and Economics at Caltech. So I'm here with Colin Kammerer. And Colin, how, how do you consider yourself to be what, – what are you? Um, I would say a behavioral economist, the Robert Kirby professor. So I started studying psychology at the University of Chicago Business School and economics. And like many people, including yourself, thought there was some power in the mathematical approach of economics but could use some help from psychology in getting the right model of human nature. But now you're doing mostly neuroscience? Uh, yeah, about, well, about half neuroscience when people are making economic choices of different kinds, looking at emotional correlates and cognitive control, and then other conventional, like, mostly economics experiments, not that conventional, some field experiments. So um, one experiment that you did, one study you did, actually uh, you were inspired by uh, riding a cab. So what was this about, being robbed? <laughs> no, no, although actually we <laughs> thought about that. Um, it was about uh, – there's a very basic idea in labor economics, which is that if wages vary across days or across years, uh, you should choose to work a lot of hours when wages are high. Why? Um, it's called the law of labor supply. It's kind of the opposite of demand. The law of demand is when prices are high, you should buy less stuff. The law of supply says when prices are high, you should sell. So, for example, now in the economic recession, should be buying a lot? Uh, well, they, that would be great for everyone. If you have money, this is the time. I think actually yeah. customer service, I think, has gotten much better because people are working <laughs> harder to keep their jobs. So a classic example is when they built an oil pipeline in Alaska. There was suddenly a lot of money for something that had to get finished very quickly. And people went and worked a lot of hours, you know, mm -hmm. hundreds of hundred yeah. hours a week because you knew that the wage was high for a short period of time. So that was the, the theory working very well. So so how, does, how do cab drivers relate to this? Uh, okay. The interesting thing about cab drivers is it's – one of the few professions where it's fairly easy to measure how much they work every day, and they get to control their hours. Most people, you either can't measure their hours, like workaholics like yourself, yeah. uh, or they work nine to five and kind of punch a clock, but their hours are kind of set by the company. The cab drivers can adjust their hours a lot. So they can decide themselves when they start and when they finish and when they take lunch break and how long and so on? Exactly. In, in, in almost all cases, at least in New York City at least. They basically rent the cab. The cab is essentially a piece of equipment. They rent it for 12 hours, and they can use it as much as they want. And the wages vary day-to-day -day for various reasons, like when it's raining, people, everyone wants to get a cab and so on. So some days they make a lot of money when it's raining. Some days they don't make much money when it's sunny and nobody wants to exactly. use a cab. Okay. And so the standard theory of labor supply makes a very simple prediction, which is they should work a lot of hours when the wage is high and take time off or quit earlier when the wage is low. Very simple prediction. Okay. Behavioral economics suggested a different hypothesis coming from the work of, on reference point effects from Tversky and Kahneman and many others. That hypothesis that we looked at was that drivers might uh, set a daily income target, like I want to clear 250 bucks, um, and then drive as many hours as they need to hit the tar target. Now, why would they fix a target like this? Um, well, one reason is self-control. Um, if you didn't do that, you might be always tempted to quit. It's kind of boring. It's just sort of a simple heuristic. Um, some might be just a kind of myopic fixation on not wanting to lose on each day by going home with too little money. Uh -huh. And you see this kind of myopic loss aversion in a lot of other domains, like people mentally accounting for their houses and selling stocks and reacting differently to prices that go up and go down in the grocery store on a one-on-one -on -one basis rather than kind of integrating the whole portfolio.
Okay, so rather than looking at the whole year or the whole month or the whole week, they look at it day by day and they have a rule for themselves of how much they need to gain. And because right. of that, they w- could have a strange, strange behavior. Exactly. So that, at least that's the hypothesis. That's the hypothesis. And the nice thing is you don't have to get into a n- too nuanced of a discussion. The, the standard economic theory says high wage, high hours. Yeah. The targeting theory says high wage, low hours. Yeah. So you just have a dispute about the sign if you draw a graph. One yeah. says, go, says up, one says down. And the, the other thing that made made this research something I, I liked a lot, was fun, was uh, that it was easy to get the data. So I went to the Taxing Limousine Commission in New York when I was there on a visit for a year with Dick Thaler and others um, who worked on the paper too. And there was a PhD in economics who worked there. And he was like the old Maytag repairman from the uh, commercials. <laughs> his, his job was every four or five years, the, dr- the drivers would lobby for a rate increase he would do a little study to decide if that was a good thing. And the answer was almost always, yeah, yes, they haven't had one in a while. And the other in, intervening four and a half years, he would sit around waiting for P- other PhDs in economics to come and chit-chat with him. Okay. So he was extremely helpful. And I literally left with a floppy disk of free data of thousands of thousands of cab drivers' records of how many hours they'd driven and how much money they'd earned on several different days. And then we got another sample of our own where we went to a little – company with a taxi dispatcher like Danny DeVito and we Xeroxed a whole bunch of sheets that the drivers are supposed to fill out recording you know how much they drive and and the punchline is that the theory is kind of half right but people learn as we see in lots of settings sometimes slowly sometimes quicker Uh, if you look overall at all the drivers the inexperienced ones we know they're inexperienced because their um, licenses are issued in a kind of chronological order they're numbered in a certain way so you can just tell from the number how when they got the license the people that had licensed the newer ones had a, what's called a negative elasticity, which means wages go up, hours go down. These are the people who worked many hours when it, the, the weather outside was uh, crummy, well, and, and they worked few hours. They were, they were working a lot of hours when they weren't getting very many fares, yes. like okay. driving around, driving around, trying to mm-hmm. earn money. When they were getting lots of fares, every, you know, drop somebody off, somebody's hopping in the cab, then they quit earlier because they'd hit their target faster. So, so in some sense, when, when the weather is terrible and they should be working because there's nothing better to do. They actually did the opposite. Right. And when the weather was wonderful and they could have spent a day off, they actually worked too many hours. Right, exactly. It's, it's, not, it's a little more complicated than that, but basically that's on the right track, that they were, they were quitting on days when they could have made a, a bunch more money continuing to drive. However, more experienced drivers exhibit essentially kind of a flat they, they sort of create regular hours for themselves. So they were, they, were, they were independent of wages. Okay, so they – oh, regular hours. So they didn't care. They just right. basically moved to – so they're not more rational. They just moved to a different irrational exactly. well, uh, that, rule. That's right. They didn't move to a positive labor supply response. Although, by the way, in, in most studies, it's hard to find evidence that – for males that um, their overall amount of hours worked responds to wages. Females do respond fairly strongly. So the, the finding of a zero response is actually the typical one. I see. So the experienced drivers were catching up to the norm, which is still a little bit puzzling because you'd expect to see these positive responses you yep. know, working more when it really pays. So, so last question about this. So, so if we see this in terms of wages and the insensitivity to, um, to basically the incentives, um, does this tell us anything about this idea that if we'll start taxing people at a different rate, they will stop working? I mean, there's all these assumptions about uh, if we change the, the – taxing uh, brackets and amounts, people would stop working and it would be terrible for the economy. Does this say anything about that? Well, I think, I, I think what it suggests is that – I wouldn't speculate quite about that, but it's a very, very interesting question. What it says is that the, the automatic response 98 percent of labor economists would have had, which is that taxes cut the effective take-home pay 
and will get people to work less hours may not be right for all people for all the time. Mm-hmm. In fact, it's we, we got I bought this is also from Max Weber, who writes about this, as well as Hicks, a famous labor economist. And they both talk about this idea that, you know, if you cut a person's ability to earn an hourly wage, they'll just work more hours. Yeah. So it's conceivable, if you think this applies to policy debates about taxes, I don't know if it does, but it, it suggests a second thing to think about, that tax cuts of that kind would actually accelerate work as people are trying to catch up and, you know, maintain their standard of living. Probably not at the very highest level, but maybe in the middle class or upper middle class. Okay, really last question. On days when you're productive, do you stay in the office more hours or less hours? Um, I probably am a mixture of targeting and uh, optimal behavior. <laughs> Thank you very much. This has been Arming the Donkeys, a weekly podcast with Dan Ariely, professor of behavioral economics at Duke University. Learn more at predictablyirrational.com.